lives, the hope that Christ gives to us. What a blessing. Just a word of this week to share. Um, Wednesday, we're going to uh, see a simulcast of James Dobson at 7 o'clock, our normal Wednesday time. He's speaking on legacy to churches all across our country. And I encourage you to come and to be a part of that as we eat together at 6 and then share in that simulcast from Dr. James Dobson on what it means to have a legacy, to leave something behind for other people that matters, that counts. And then Kingsway men have been moved from Tuesday to Thursday night. And then next Sunday night, I encourage you, as instead of our normal Sunday night services, we're going to be at the Abington Cinema, and encourage you, if God's laid someone on your heart, to come and to hear um, Greg Glory and the Harvest Crusade that's going to be shown um, at that cinema, 720. And I, I know our heart is to invite some friends to eat with us and then take them to that. So I encourage you to be a part of that. We are in chapter 4 of Daniel, as we look at another dream of Nebuchadnezzar, and as we read, I'm just going to read um, from chapter 4, not the whole chapter, but just some excerpts from the chapter, so encourage you, if you have your Bibles open, to stand in our God's honor as I read aloud. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you greatly prosper. It's my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are the signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. And then drop down to verse 19. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. And then verse 27, Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then your prosperity will continue. And then verse 34, At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Let's pray. Master, as we come to You, We need you, Lord. Here was a man from men's standards who appeared to have it all, power, plenty of riches, 
Father, he was in control, or so he thought. Father, as we look at your word today, may we be reminded that there's only one in control, and it's not me, it's you. As we look at this account, Father, open our hearts, open our eyes to what you want to teach us, and may we leave here saying, there is a God, and I will worship him with my life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's interesting here how the chapter starts with praise and ends with praise. And as we look at these first couple of verses in chapter 4, we actually see that he is sharing a word of testimony. When you think about a testimony, there's three phases to it. The first part is, what was my life like before I had an encounter with a living God? Before we had a meeting where we were honest with one another. And then there is that encounter where we see God as God is and we see ourselves as we are. And then third, what our life is like after that encounter. As Nebuchadnezzar opens this up, he begins to share praise. But then after that, he explains what happened to change his heart and his attitude because his heart and attitude was not always one of praise toward God Most High. That's not how it always was in his life. There was a time where he was the one that called the shots. He was the one who was most important. He was the one who mattered. And everybody knew that. And if you disagreed with him, you might lose your head. Notice uh, his praise here. I'm just spend a few minutes, these first three verses as he shares. Notice uh, he begins the chapter, how we end our letters. This was typical in ancient times. They would actually open up telling you who wrote the letter instead of having to go to the end of the letter to find out who wrote the letter. That might be kind of a nice thing now. Sometimes you find yourself going quickly to the end of the letter and say, who wrote this? And in this case, he begins with that, and he says, this is from King Nebuchadnezzar. And notice who it's addressed to, to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world. May you prosper greatly. In other words, King Nebuchadnezzar wanted everybody to hear this message. There's nobody that he wanted to miss this news. You see, there was something to him that was so dramatic, so powerful, so life-changing, that he wanted to make sure everyone heard this. And it appears to me, this is a guy who had a real encounter with a living God. Hey, it's not enough to come and to talk about God. We need God to grab a hold of our hearts and our lives and to change and and to transform us because the truth of the matter is the way his message is carried on is through weak clay like you and me. And and, and that is the case here as he shares. He wants this word to to get out. And notice what he says to them. He says, it's my pleasure. 
And this is something I'm not being forced to do. This is something that has so radically changed my life and given me hope and the the direction of where I was to where I am that I want you to know about it. And he says, may you prosper greatly. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. I want you to hear about the one who loves you. He says, the wonders of the Most High that he's performed for me. This is what he has to share. How great are his signs. How mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. That's His words of praise. Now, it didn't start in His life as words of praise. And as we go through this chapter, we see about His salvation experience, I believe. About how He went from being one who did not believe in the Lord God Most High to a man who worshipped the Lord God Most High. So uh, let's just examine this. Um, he starts out here in verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. In other words, life was good for me. I was laid up, kicked back, and enjoying everything as it came. I thought everything would be just like this, warm and cozy and nice for the rest of my days. But as we see, that's not what happened. Life's not like that, is it? You have days, oh, this is so good, it's so warm, it's so cozy. But you wake up the next day, it may not be that way. For him, it was a dream. Notice his dream. He said, I had a dream and it made me afraid. It says he was lying in bed. These images, these visions, they passed through his mind and they terrified him. And so what did he do? As we read down here in the next couple of verses, he commanded the wise men of Babylon to be brought before him because this dream terrified him. He wanted to know the answer. And isn't it interesting here that he ends up doing the thing he had done before? It sounds an awful lot like an earlier dream that he had. And he called in all these men who were considered like magic men or or wise men that had all the answers. They didn't have the answers before. And it's kind of crazy he would think they'd have the answers again. And yet it just reminds me of how we all are. We tend to go back and do the same thing before. Somebody said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And that's what we're seeing in this case. He calls these guys in to try to find an answer. He did not find an answer. And you know, the same thing could be said of our hearts. Often um, with us, we discover that We do the same thing over and over again, and God in His mighty grace has to encounter our hearts and and change us and get a hold of us and and change where we are. You know, the truth is, if you're a warrior last year, you're a warrior this year, more than likely. Struggled with this particular sin last year. We have a tendency to go back to that lowest spot. God wants to rise us above that. And as he comes down through here, we read about that finally, after these guys failed, he called in Daniel. And it was interesting to me. Notice here in verse 8 and verse 18, he says, Finally, Daniel came in my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy God God's is in him. 
You see it at this point. He wants to know the answer to this dream. But at this point, even though he's seen a godly man in Daniel, and even though he's seen Daniel's three friends, even though he's seen those who love the Most High True God, he hadn't given his heart to that God. He said, hey, he's the one of gods. And then in verse 18, we we read the same thing. There's that same clue. He says, this is a dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can because the Spirit of the holy gods is in you. He was was at this point, he was searching for answers, but he hadn't decided in his mind that the one true God, the Lord Jehovah, was the answer. He was looking to these other gods. And and as he listened in verses 10 through 18, we have the dream, and, and he shares the dream. And Look here at verse 10, he says, Here's the visions I had in bed. They terrified me. He said, Before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. He says the tree was large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. So there's this great tree, and it's visible to everyone. It definitely stands out. And he, he said its leaves were beautiful, its, its fruit abundant, and, and on it was food for all. Under it the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it every creature was fed. So this enormous tree, it carried provision for all. And then he says, in the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked. There before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. This angelic messenger, he spoke in a loud voice. Cut down the tree, trim off its branches, strip off its leaves, scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. Let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Now, to this point... He's describing the tree, and and he talks about the stump, and he talks about the creatures. But now there's a shift. And and I want you to notice the shift that's here in the second part of verse 15. It moves from it to let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. He says the decision announced by the messengers, the holy ones declare the verdict. Why? So that the living may know the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone He wishes and sets over them the lowliness of men. And he said, hey, this is the dream I had. Belshazzar, Daniel, tell me what this means. The the wise men couldn't, but you can. You can tell me about this dream. So this king is perplexed. He's looking for answers. He's he's shaken up. And so Daniel interprets the dream. And um, Wow, listen to what he has to say. First he starts out, he's perplexed. His thoughts terrified him. This is Daniel. And then he says, You don't have to be afraid, Belshazzar. Don't, don't let this dream or its meaning alarm you. 
he said, My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. You see, he cared about this king. Oh, this king had, he had evil ways about him. He had hurt a lot of people. But Daniel had built a relationship with him, and he wanted him to know God. He saw the judgment that was coming for him. That's not what he wished. And you know, I think that's really true for a person who has a heart for God. I don't want to see people suffer, and I don't think you do either. But when God is left out of our lives, and when we refuse to follow God, there's pain that is connected to that. And there's people who suffer. And and I think as he saw this suffering that was going to happen to his friend, the king, it shook him up. It impacted him. And, and so here comes interpretation. He says, The tree you saw which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to earth, beautiful leaves, abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter. It's a resting place. It says, You, O king, are that tree. You've become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. Your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, holy one, coming down to heaven. Cut down the tree, destroy it, leave the stump bound with iron bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. And many interpretations say seven years, these seven times uh, indicating a year. He goes on, he says, uh, This interpretation, O king, this is the decree of the Most High's issue against my Lord the King. Oh boy, here it comes, the tough words. You will be driven away from people. You'll live like wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone He wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. In other words, he's saying, King, you're going to go nuts. You're going to lose your sanity. You're going to become like a wild animal. You're going to be eating grass. You're going to be crawling on the ground. Your your fingernails will grow like bird claws and, and, and your hair will become like bird feathers. You'll be disheveled. You'll be out of your mind for seven years because you need to learn a lesson. You are not God. You are not the final authority. You are not the end of all. And this is what God decided it took to get His attention and to move Him that direction and so that He could learn the lessons that He wants to teach. But He goes on from just what the prophecy means to where he shared some courage. Our job is to understand what God wants to say through his word and through the Bible, and it is crucial to have the right interpretation. What is the scripture saying? But he goes from what is the right interpretation of what this dream means, what, what exactly is God trying to say, what is right, to what is he trying to say to you, O king? 
He, he goes from the interpretation to the admonition. In other words, he goes from telling the truth to a little bit of preaching, a little bit of stepping on toes, a, a little bit about revealing how this personally affects your life, King. And that's what 27 is. Look what he says here. He says, Therefore, O King, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what's right. And your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. He says, all right, King, I'm just going to be straightforward with you. God knows your sins. He's not playing games with you. It's time for you to be serious about where you are with God and where you are with the people that are around you. You need to turn from those sins. You need to turn God's direction. You need to care about those who are suffering there around you. And King, you need to invest your life there instead of just in you. You are not all there is, King Nebuchadnezzar. And these were the last words he heard from God's messenger. Let's go on here and, and, and now we see... His insanity as it, it carries out. Um, he says, oh, look at verse 28. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, so it happened a year later, it, the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. He said, is not this the great Babylon? I want you to notice the pronouns. Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power? And for the glory of my majesty. And verse 31, some shocking words, guys. <laughs> the words were still on his lips. They hadn't even completely come out of his mouth. But God knew what they were. When he heard this voice from heaven, This is what I decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You'll be driven from people. Live like a wild animal. And you'll eat grass like cattle. Several... Times will pass by for you until you acknowledge the Most High Sovereign of the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven from people and he ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. There was a teaching done. Man, confrontation's hard. And confrontation hurts. Because it takes a little hurt in order to miss big hurt. It takes a little pain in order to miss ultimate pain. Because none of us want to be... We don't want to be wrong. We don't want to be told that we're going the wrong direction. We don't want others to see us a certain way. We, have, we, we want to be viewed. But the truth is, God looks through all that junk and he sees us as we are and here's nebuchadnezzar and he he's being forced to deal with the truth in this confrontation and it took some time that went by as i thought about daniel as, as he approached him i thought of galatians 6 1 that says brothers if one of you is caught in a sin you who are spiritual or you know, they've updated the NIV. It's messed me up because I've learned so many verses in it and it's changed it a little bit. But I almost kind of like the way, here I'm having to admit this because I grumble because it's changed. But they said, brothers, you who walk in the Spirit should restore him gently. But watch yourself, you may be tempted. What's he saying here? 
He said, man, this is not a matter to crush somebody. It's a matter to be gentle. Let God handle that stuff. He had, he had talked to him and he had told him the truth, but it was out of a compassionate love that, that he shared his heart. Then, then the king went through this stuff and it took time. It took seven years. It, it, took, a, it took a lot of pain. And I thought of Hebrews twelve eleven that says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Boy, that wasn't pleasant. But painful. Yeah, it was painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was able to offer praise, and he said, "Man, I've been tra- I've been in the training ground of the Lord, and He has given me that. He's given me that righteousness and peace in that training, and and that's what He is able to share with these guys. Um, so, anyway, as we come through here, look at verse thirty-four." At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, for the first time, evidently, raised my eyes toward heaven. Instead of looking around and thinking how great he was, he looked up and for the first time recognized how great God is. And it says then, his sanity was restored. Guys, that's when we think most clearly. When we see God as God and ourselves in need of Him. When we humble ourselves and look to Him for the hope. That's what happened here. His sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High, honored and glorified Him who lives forever. And notice what He said about Him. His dominion is an eternal dominion. He says, I thought I was in charge. God's in charge. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. His kingdom is a lasting kingdom, not my kingdom. It will not last forever. He said, all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. Wow. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven, with the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what what are you done? At the same time, my sanity was restored. My honor and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out. I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. And he closes, he says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. Very valuable lesson. You can't go wrong. To humble yourself before God. No matter how high you think you are, we'll all be brought low. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Let me close with this illustration from Patsy Claremont, a writer that uh, used to read several years ago. And she's a funny lady. And she shares an incident she had on an airplane where she was sitting next to this guy and he was very kind. And and here's her word. She said, uh, I'd already observed something kind of strange about him. He said, ma'am, at the time I thought either he thinks I'm ancient or he's from the south where they still teach manners or he's in the military. I decided the latter... And so I asked him, you in the service? Yes, ma'am. What branch? Marines. Marine, where are you coming from? Operation Desert Storm, ma'am. 
No kidding, desert storm. How long were you there? And um, he goes on to say, I was there a year and a half. And uh, he said, I guess you've been thinking a lot about going home. And he says, no, ma'am, that's not where I try to keep most of my thoughts. And kind of shocked, she said, really? And said, no, we're told that we don't know what will happen past this moment. And so that our duty is to always be available and alert for the moment. And that's the job of a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't know if I have the next five minutes ahead of me. I think I do, but I don't know. But what I do have is this moment. And may this moment belong to the Master and not merely to me. That was a lesson this powerful king had to learn the hard way. He was humbled and then he was brought before God and he started that chapter reflecting back and saying, man, I was messed up. I was lost. And I have to tell you about it. God got a hold of me and everything's changed. And he's to be praised. I want everybody to know. Is that where your heart is? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this account in Scripture of a man with ultimate power by the standards of this world who came to face with the one who created this world and had altered his life. Instead of looking around him and giving commands, he looked up and said, O God Most High, what do you want of me? As we are here today to worship you, the Most High God, what do you want? Do you want us to come to the altar to pour our hearts out to you, to be honest and say you are King of kings and Lord of lords? Uh, What do you want? Father, is there a decision needs to be made right where we are or one at the front where we can come and share with your people or pray with me at the front? But Father, we just want what you want, Lord. What we want doesn't last, but what you want is eternal. So do your work in us and through us that we might leave here giving you the applause. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.